All right, ladies and gentlemen, good to have you here. It is VU, the voice of one, episode number 10. That's right, VU has gone into double digits. Episode number 10, your host, Woody Cumbie, bringing you 20 minutes of specialized content just for you, a blend like no other. That is to say, we have coffee and current events and faith and FSU football. Nobody has it quite like VU. And maybe that's one of the reasons it is replicating its distribution channels on its own. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It has gone into auto-replication. I don't know. I can't explain it. I don't know these things. But what I do know is that I got a... I got a notification that uh, VU is now available on Overcast. That's right, a pod, a podcast uh, app or distribution channel called Overcast. That means that VU is now found on Anchor, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcast, and now Overcast. Now, how you find them on those, I'm not sure. You can search for VU. You can search for Woody Cumbie, your host, um, and see if you can find them on any of the. If any of those are your favorite podcast app, you can look for VU. You can like it, subscribe to it, download it, get notifications for it. It's out there. If you want to find it on Facebook, you just put Dark Roast VU in the search bar. It will take you to the page, and it'll have a link from that page to the latest episode. You can navigate from there. So it's great to have you here on the double-digit edition of VU. Hang on just a second. Some consumable coffee, 5 o'clock, 5.18 actually, and a late, late start to the Monday edition. But no, ladies and gentlemen, we weren't going to forsake the Monday edition. I mean, this we're going to get the Monday edition out. We've got until midnight, right, to get the Monday edition out. So, but probably to maintain the mental acuity, I have to have a little consumable coffee. Yeah, I'm telling you now, this is uh, this is coffee that's uh, it it's 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 hovering. It's hovering just above better than Pepsi. But, but, but it has sneaked in to the consumable category. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm excited that I'm holding in my hand now a brand new Bible. That's right, a brand new Bible. And uh, no, 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 I mean, I, it, 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 I mean not, it's not a brand new translation of the Bible. It's not, it's not a Bible that has extra books or anything. It's, it's a brand new edition of the New Living Translation. Now, those of you who know me uh, know that I prefer the New Living Translation personally. It's what I use personally. It's the Bible that I personally use, that I use for my own devotions and uh, for my own edification. And so I, it's not the, it's not the what I used to preach. It's not what I used to do deep theological study, but it's just the it's just the translation that I like for uh, my own devotional use. So I saw that there was a brand new edition coming out, and when I say brand new, literally 
this edition was uh, released on September 8 and just got to me uh, in the mail. And this is a very nice, uh, very nice Bible for a very inexpensive version of it. And uh, it has a kind of a deep mahogany, a little bit larger than I thought it would be for a thin line lay flat, but it is a large print. Uh, very nice uh, binding to it, Smith uh, sewn binding. And it has uh, on the spine, it has Tyndale Holy Bible NLT stamped into the spine. Uh, so it's very nice, subtle look to it. Um, very, I like the way the it's double column. It has some reference notes uh, down and to the right on the pages. But here's the thing that makes this brand new. That's, I don't know where they came up with filament, but here's the thing. There's a thing called the NLT filament app, right? So I have it, you can have it on as Android or uh, iPhone. I have it on my iPhone. So what happens is I download the app and I have my, open that app and then I have my camera look at the page number. And when I show the page number, all of a sudden, all the study notes come up. So instead of having to carry a big old giant thick study Bible, as close as my phone or my tablet, uh, I just pointed at the page number, boom, up come all these notes. And not, not only notes, but also uh, visuals like maps or charts or videos uh, and then also, there are devotional items that are associated with the various passages. So here's what it says on the, on the back of the box. It says uh, uh, about the filament part of it. It says, uh, instant access to helpful resources on every single page. What is filament? Use the Filament Bible app on your phone or tablet to scan any page number and turn reading this Bible into a power, powerful study and devotional experience. The Filament Bible app includes 25,000 plus study notes, 350 plus videos, 40 plus maps and infographics, 400 plus profiles and articles, 1,500 plus devotionals, and uh, that's all available uh, through the app. And, and yet, what I'm holding in my hand is essentially basically just a text Bible with a few margin notes that are down and to the right, very nicely presented. Very nice feel to this Bible as well. So, very excited about it. My brand new NLT filament Bible thought I would help you understand my excitement. Now, today on VU, we have, we have four segments, uh, Bleak Beginning, Gut Feeling, subhuman, and 16 candles. That's right. Bleak beginning, gut feeling, subhuman, 16 candles, all coming your way on VU in just the next few moments. All right, stick with us, and we'll be back for Bleak Beginning. Okay, back for segment number one, Bleak Beginning. Boy, I'm not sure bleak is adequate. If you know me, you know I'm a Florida State football fan. I'm an FSU grad. Oh, and by the way, a very uh, 
pleased to see that uh, Florida State University once again named in the top 20 public universities in America. That's right, coming in this year at number 19, squeaking into the top 20 at number 19, according to U.S. News and World Report. Now, if only the football team could get back to the top 20. Wow. They opened up on, on Saturday in a ball game that lasted seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven hours. Yes, seven hours of Chinese torture. Oh, my gosh. First, there's the Chinese virus, and now there's the Chinese torture of FSU football. I mean, unbelievably uh, bad. So there was a rain delay. It was a, the lightning. We had to wait. The, 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 the waited, waited, waited through the whole, whole thing. No spring practice. No all this. Boom, COVID this. Finally, 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 we get to the Saturday of the opening football game. And no, can it start on time? Not a chance. 35 minutes late starting. Then we run the first few series of the game. And boom, here comes a thunderstorm in. And there's lightning, and there's a lightning delay, and there's some rule about once there's lightning within, I don't know, seven or eight miles, you have to wait for 30 minutes or something. And then every time there's a new lightning strike, it resets the clock. So there was a, I don't know, like an hour and 15 minute delay. So it's 30, 35 minutes delayed starting. Then there's another hour and 15 minutes. So we've added now almost two hours to the game time. Now, here's, first of all, here's my question. If, if you've taken all that much time in the life, you sat in that locker room for an hour and 15 minutes, do you really need to take halftime? I mean, seriously, are you going to have, do you really need the entire time of halftime? Think about it. There no, there's nobody there. There's no marching bands. There's no, there's no halftime show. I mean, anyway, I mean, the thing just went on and on and on. Anyway, so Florida State hosts uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, one of the worst teams in the ACC last year. They won three games last year, if I remember correctly. Uh, and they come to Tallahassee. Uh, Florida State's favored by 12. FSU has a brand-new head coach, brand-new staff, but the same old players. All right, so, boom, they host Georgia Tech in this seven-hour game, and they lose 16-13, despite the fact, by the way, doing something that I don't think I've ever seen before. They blocked three kicks, three FSU, two field goals and an extra point. I've never seen anything like it. So, but anyway, Florida State loses 16-13. They scored on the opening drive, scored another three points on the next drive, and they did. They scored three points later, and that was it. That was it. That was it. Just, I mean, bleak. So now I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the schedule. They have a, they have a week off, so we get spared this week. But then they have to go down to Miami the next week on uh, the 26th, and it's going to be on ABC on at 7:30. And I, I don't see it happening. I don't, I don't. I mean, it's not that Miami's all that great, but I don't know. I don't, I don't see it happening. They come back and they play Jacksonville State, which is like this little bitty uh, just above high school team. So, yeah, they'll win that game. But then they go to Notre Dame. Not a chance. Not a chance. They come back home. They host North Carolina. North Carolina uh, has a greatly improved team. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. Then they go to Louisville. Louisville has a brand-new coach that they've had there for a couple years now. Maybe this is the third year, and he's doing a really good job there. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't see them being able to win away at at Louisville. Maybe if Louisville was in Tallahassee, then Pitt comes to town. Now Pitt. Pitt's actually playing pretty well also. I think they might be relatively evenly matched. Maybe that's a toss-up. Then they go away to NC State. But NC State's pretty terrible. So now that's two terrible teams. Maybe that's a win. Then the Clemson Tigers come to town. Not a chance, right? Not a chance. Probably the, again, maybe the national champion. I don't know. So they'll be beaten and battered, and uh, the next week they host Virginia. But did they care at that point? They probably lost almost most of their games. Uh, and then finally they close out at Duke. Uh, Duke actually played pretty well at Notre Dame the other day. I don't know. Do I see two wins on here, three wins? I mean, it is, it's bleak. It is bleak. Oh, man. So this blend, this blend of coffee current events – faith in FSU football, there may not be much FSU football. (laughs) All right, folks. Hey, I'm going to take a brief break. Okay, welcome back for Gut Feeling. Yeah, yesterday, September 13th, Sunday, reported in Newsmax, we run across this story. Here's the headline. It says, Googling for gut symptoms predicts COVID hotspots, study finds. So here's, the, here's part of the story. It says searches on gastrointer- gastrointestinal symptoms predicted a rise in COVID-19 weeks later. Researchers from Massachusetts General Hospital found demonstrating a novel early warning system for hotspots of the pandemic disease. Researchers at top-ranked hospital in Boston compared search interests in loss of taste and appetite and diarrhea with the reported increase of COVID-19 in 15 states from January 20 to April 20. Using Google's uh, Trends Online tool, they found the volume of searches correlated most strongly with cases in New York, New Jersey, California, Massachusetts, and Illinois, states with a high disease burden three to four weeks later. And so... uh, Wow, pretty, uh, it goes on to say that uh, maybe uh, there's a prolonged gut infection related to uh, COVID-19. So I want to bring that news to you because uh, if you're tempted to uh, Google GI symptoms, don't do it because it's correlated with COVID. (laughs) All right, so uh, yeah, all right, so... (laughs) No, I don't think it matters whether you actually Google it or not. It's just, it's, just, it's just a story. It's just a story. It's just a trend. It's a trend that they found on Google. That Google, that Google can tell you a lot of things. All right, so listen, uh, let's, let's go to our next, <laughs> our next topic, which is subhuman. Subhuman. Now, here is a, a cringeworthy story. Cringeworthy. So this is from uh, a website called, a magazine website called The Post Millennial. Subtitle, News, Politics, Culture, and Lifestyle. And this is under the topic of Canadian news. So here's the title. This story is from, I can't see it. 
Uh, you'd think they'd make this easy to see. Anyway, here's the here's the his last few days. Anyway, here's here's the um, here's here's the headline. It says BLM Toronto leader believes white people are subhuman and calls them genetic defects. So here's the story. It says uh, a social media post has resurfaced from Black Lives Matter Toronto co-founder in which she apparently argues that white people are subhuman and are recessive genetic defects. Her name is Yusra Kugali, Y-U-S-R-A-K-H-O-G-A-L-I, Yusra Kugali, wrote the post on what appears to be her Facebook and attempted to use a genetic explanation involving melanin production to explain why white people are defects. It's now gone viral after it was shared by scholar James Lindsay. And he said, a charming message from the head of BLM Toronto, who's been honored a few years ago by the city of Ontario for exemplary leadership. And it goes on to talk about how uh, white people are, are defects because of their melanin uh, deficiency. And then she ends by saying, white people need white supremacy as a mechanism to protect their survival as people because all they can do, that's all they can do to produce and protect themselves. Anyway, it, it's... Uh, and then she goes on to say, here's another one, here's another classic. Please, Allah, give me strength not to cuss and kill these men and white folks out there today. Please, please, please. That's your uh, BLM Toronto leader. Whew. Oh, man. I, I, I wish you could say you can't make this stuff up, but I'm, it's literally appearing in the news. All right. Hey, we're coming back for 16 Candles. <laughs> Hang on. Okay, welcome back to our final segment, 16 Candles. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, can remember back to, uh, it's a little, little, little far back for me. Yeah. Candles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1961, 1961, a little young. But uh, here's a good trivia question for you. Who sang 16 Candles? Now, it might have been a one-hit wonder. I don't, I, don't, I don't know because it's too far back. But, yeah, their name was the Crests. The Crests. All right. So, guys, San Francisco, close to giving 16-year-olds the vote. Yep, Newsmax. From yesterday, San Francisco becomes the first major city to follow to allow 16 and 17 year olds to vote in local elections, with residents deciding on me- on the measure in November. NBC News reported on Sunday. Activists are confident it will pass uh, after a similar measure four years ago fell just short with 48 percent. Quote, I think, uh, really think that Vote 16 will help youth of color in San Francisco establish a habit of voting at an early age and 
really provide them with the support and the resources they need to continue building on that habit as they grow older, end quote, said Crystal Chan, organizer of Vote 16 SF, who worked to get the measure on the ballot. Now, the fact is, uh, 18 to 24-year-olds have been uh, voting, obviously, since uh, 1972 when the vote was lowered to 18. That I do remember, though I wasn't eligible to vote quite yet. But in that 1972 election, 18 to 24-year-olds, 59% of them, according to the uh, U.S. Census Bureau, 59% of them voted in that 72 election. Of course, that was the height of Vietnam War and uh, young people were engaged and all that. Never have they gotten to 59% again. Uh, it's been things like 51, 53, 45, 53, and uh, 51 in 2016. And the off-year elections, it, oh, it goes down to like 15, 16%. So uh, I don't know if really uh, getting it to 16 will allow for, quote, lifelong voting habits uh, to form or not. Uh, I know that this has been a uh, push for a long time, dating all the way back to 2014 in the UK. There's a New York Post article about it uh, in, last year, 2019. PBS NewsHour dedicated a segment to it back in 2018. So this has been a push for 16-year-olds to be able to vote. I don't know if you know any 16-year-olds, but... Uh, Anyway, they're trying to add, <laughs> add their political acumen to the voting mix. God bless you guys. Hey, thanks for being here. I look for you again on Wednesday as we go to the 1-1 one, one, symmetrical. We're going to a symmetrical episode, 1-1. One, one. And we'll see you on Wednesday for VU. Bye-bye now.